Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here at GFC, or if you're joining us online, it is great to see you as well. Or if you're listening later, it's great to meet you as well. My name is Corey, and I have the other privilege of being a pastor here, just like Pastor Andrew. And we are excited to walk with you into the Christmas season. All of that guilt for playing Christmas music too early or putting up your lights too early or all of that stuff can go away, right? Because we're officially into the Christmas season. There's a couple of things I also want to let you know about before we dive into into today's conversation. First of all, next week's going to be an important week because we're actually going to do some vision casting and talk some business going into 2022. So if you're a partner here, you're definitely going to want to be a part of it. It's This is going to take the place of like, we're not doing a regular business meeting. We're going to have some fun kind of remembering some fun things from this year and looking forward as a part of next week's worship experience. So be here next Sunday morning for that. And then I also want to tell you about something that's a little bit more fun than just a business meeting. But we're going to talk about Christmas Eve. And so I want to throw the graphic up here on the screen for you so that you can see. We're calling it Christmas at the Warehouse. Now, when we call it Christmas at the Warehouse, this is not a warehouse, but we do know of one. And so we're going to go there. If you were at our marriage retreat, we went to and spent Saturday at Warehouse 100, which is just down the street here in New Holland. It's like a three-minute drive. Um, and we know the owners there, Brandon and his wife, Taylor. Brandon actually led worship here um, over the course of the year one time for us to fill in. And so we're super excited to take Christmas Eve this year and to go there. Now, why would we do that? Well, we think it's important to go to our community and celebrate instead of just always asking them to come here. So we're really excited to be able to invite people to that, to go and be a part of our community, to invite them in. And we're going to talk about Jesus. So we're really excited about that. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff. We're going to do Christmas carols. We're going to do a candle lighting. We're going to have um, hot chocolate and cookies for everybody. We're going to have a gift for the kids. We're going to have a free family portrait. It's just going to be an awesome time to be able to celebrate Christmas together and to invite people to be a part of it. Because normally people will, I didn't know if you knew this, people will go to church more on Christmas, even if they don't go, right, the rest of the year. And then even if you're inviting them to a place that's not actually a church, can feel a little less intimidating as well. So we are really excited about that. We want you to mark your calendars for that. You'll notice um, if you saw the graphic, we're going to uh, be at three o'clock on Christmas Eve. So It's late enough that you can get done what you need to do in the morning, but it's early enough that you can still get to Christmas Eve dinner if you have that or other festivities that you like to do. There's three things that I want you to think about when it comes to Christmas Eve. First of all, I want you to mark your calendar and plan to be there. If you're going to be celebrating Christmas in the area, you're going to be around, please plan to be there. So mark your calendar. Make sure you know it's at 3 o'clock and so that you're able to be there and a part of celebrating with us this year. The second thing is that I would love for you to invite somebody. They're not here yet. Next week, we will have invite cards that are the size of a postcard that you're going to be able to take and just hand to other people and say, hey, your neighbor, your coworker, your whoever, and just say, hey, if you don't have a place to celebrate Christmas this year, we would love for you to celebrate Christmas with us. And so start thinking about the people that you can invite to. Remember, they're going to get some, if they have kids, they're going to have a great time. They're going to, I mean, at worst, they get free hot chocolate and cookies, right? So who doesn't want that? So that'll be a great time to do that. So invite some people. The third thing is, uh, we would love some help. We have a lot of things we need to do. We need to set up. We need to tear down. We need people to man the hot chocolate and cookies. We need people to help park people, all kinds of stuff. So there are two places on our website I would love for you to go. The first website is simply uh, the information about the night. And you can register there. You can just say, hey, this is my family name. This is how many people are coming. That's just to help us make sure we have enough cookies. The second thing, though, is there's a place for you to sign up to help us. And so if you would be willing to come and serve that night, we would love 
for you to do that as well. And most of the locations to serve, you're not going to miss anything. In fact, the warehouse is all one room. So if you're in greeting and a part of it, you're, you're not going to miss any of the fun. You can just be there and welcome new people in or welcome us in, right? People that are here all the time. And we would just love to celebrate that with you. So we're going to be talking about that for the next couple of weeks, but we're really excited to be able to do Christmas Eve a little bit different this year. And we want you to be part of it as well. So please mark your calendar and be ready to celebrate that. Sound good? All good? Are we awake today? Come on. We just sang that great song. Thank you. We sang that great song. We, yeah. Okay, great. So here we go. Wake, wake up for Christmas. All right. So we're also walking into, maybe this is why, right? Our ser- sermon series, Weary World. So maybe that's our problem this morning, right? We're, we're talking about this idea of the weary world rejoicing. Try and say that five times fast. And, and I don't know what your year has been like, but there's probably some things that you went through this year that you weren't planning on going through, or there was things you had to process or had to do or had to be a part of that you just didn't think was going to be a part of your year. And when we think about this, there's actually some context to when we, when we step into the Christmas story and we start to read in the beginning of the Gospels, there was some reason for the nation of Israel to be weary. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but from the end of the Old Testament, okay, the first section of the Bible, to the beginning of the New Testament, there was 400 years where God really didn't say anything. And so if you go to the end of the Old Testament, you've got these prophets and you've got God sending messages and talking to people and sending, you know, prophets to be able to conversate with the the nation of Israel and kind of figure out what's going on. And then all of a sudden, all that communication just stops for 400 years. Now, if you had that kind of track record where God was involved and, and sending these people and messages and scriptures were being written, and then all of a sudden he just stopped talking, how do you think the nation of Israel felt? And in all of that, they were going through shifts in government and who was ruling over them. And there were uprises and there was all kind of crazy stuff that just that happened during that 400 years. And they get no word from God at all. It's complete silence. And they're waiting for the Savior to come. And they have no idea what's going on with that. They would have been pretty weary. They would have been frustrated. They would have been asking questions about why God wasn't having the conversation with them anymore. They would have wondered when the Messiah was coming. They would have wondered wondered maybe when the next prophet was going to show up or what was going on. And so we enter the Christmas season. When we pick up that story at the beginning of the Gospels, the place we enter is a pretty weary place where people might have been asking a lot of questions about what was going on with God. And so they endured 400 years of silence. Now, this is a little bit different, but maybe you feel this way. We've endured 400 years of pandemic. Not really. But does it feel that way sometimes? Maybe. Remember, it was two weeks, right? We'll figure this thing out. Yeah, okay. And then we get through all of this stuff, right? Months and things and all of this stuff kind of continues to pile up and we find ourselves all this time later. And one of the things last year, I remember we were planning for Christmas Eve, and we were planning to try and be outside. We were going to do bonfires outside because we weren't sure about being inside and all the regulations and stuff like that. And it's good that we can at least plan forward to be able to do some things, maybe kind of like we did before, but it's still very much a part of our world. And so we find ourselves in a moment in time where we are weary as well. Not as much time, but things that have gone on that have just made us weary. And so all of that enduring can make you weary. All of the stuff that could have piled up this year could make you weary. And like I said, I don't, I don't know where you're at walking into this Christmas season. 
But we hope that we can have a conversation starting today and leading into Christmas that will move us in a positive direction. We can focus on the joy that we can have in life and not so much the weariness. And so where we want to go today, I have a specific person that I want to key in on as we start to have this conversation. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. And as normal, we're going to have the verses up on the screen here for you. You can always go to our website and go to the follow along tab and you'll find all the notes and all the verses there as well. We encourage you to do that along with some other links that you can put to use, including the Christmas at the warehouse stuff. But in Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. And verse 5 says this, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. I can never say that right. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Verse 6, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. So let's stop there for a second. So you've got these two characters, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth usually kind of gets pulled into your Christmas season somehow, right? Because she was cousins with Mary, and so they're pregnant at the same time with kind of these miraculous babies. And so you you see them kind of show up. But Zechariah, sometimes he gets lost. Like if you've been in church a long time, you probably have heard his name. But he gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. And what we want to know about this couple, and particularly Zechariah, is that they were, remember, it says they were older, but it also says that they were righteous in God's eyes. They lived their lives the way that God had called them to live, and they did their best to reflect that in all the ways that they lived. And they did the right stuff. And yet there was one problem. They never had any children. And today in our culture, some people choose not to have kids, right? And it's, it's totally normal for someone just to say or a couple to say, no, we, we don't want to do that. But in this time frame, and even today as well, but in this time frame especially, if you didn't have kids, it was shameful almost. And it was almost like, what, what did I do to make God angry? What did I do to cause God not to give me children? And other people would maybe ask the same thing. But the cool thing is they continued to follow God, but here's what would happen, right? People probably looked at them and said, oh, you're such a righteous person. Like you, you've done everything you're supposed to. I'm sure God will bless you, right? And they tried to have kids and they tried to have kids and they tried to have kids and it just never happened. Do you think they would have been weary from trying to have kids and never being able to, from people saying, oh, it'll happen one day or this or that, or God will bless you and, and all of that stuff. And it just never was to be. Let's keep reading in verse 8. It says, One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 11, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. He will give give great joy and gladness, gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Verse 17, he will be a man 
with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Let me give you another little piece of context as we process this. This this says that Elijah, or sorry, Elijah, Zechariah was serving God in the temple because his order was on duty. What does that mean? There were 24 orders of priests within the nation of Israel. And so the way it worked out on average was that each order would serve two weeks per year. And so this was the time when he would actually, they would go and they would stay away from their families and they would stay together at the temple and they would do the temple duties that week as their order did, uh, took care of those things. It says that he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. You were only ever chosen to do this one time in your entire life. And so this is Zechariah's day. This is like the time that he has been looking for. Remember, he's an older guy. So he's been waiting for this for decades. And finally, his number comes up and he gets to enter the temple. This was a big deal for Zechariah. And not only does he get to enter and do these duties, but he gets visited by an angel while he's there and he gets the word that he's going to have a son. And that his son is not not just going to be a son, but his son is going to be great. He's going to have the same power as Elijah. That was like a huge deal. That's like you having a kid born and saying they're going to be as good a basketball player as Michael Jordan, right? It's like, this was a big deal. And yet, we'll see in a little bit that Zechariah's response to this was not exactly what we would think it would be. And today the conversation we want to have is is about joy. So we go from this weariness to this joy. And we want to talk about today, what does that mean? What exactly is joy? And so I found this very basic um, definition of the word joy. And it just said this. It was extreme happiness that cannot be deterred by present circumstances. Extreme happiness that cannot be deterred by present circumstances. So joy is something that you can have and, and nothing's going to make it go away. I don't know if you've ever, I hope you have, had an experience like that in your life where something happened and it, there is just nothing that could make you feel not happy in that time. I will tell you what one of those times are, and you're going to think I'm really shallow when I say this, but it was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I remember I was working in an office at the time with another friend of mine named Dan, who is also equally an Eagles fan as I am. And so for the weeks and months after that, at different times, Things would go wrong, right? We'd try and work on a project, and something would happen, or this wouldn't go right. And so one of us would be having a down day, and one of the other of us would look at each other and just go, but you know what? The Eagles won the Super Bowl. And we'd go, you're right. And it would just change the day. And we had another friend that was a Colts fan, and he would look at us and go, how long are you guys going to hold on to this, right? Like, how, how long are you just going to base your happiness on this? But it, it took a while, and I'm still kind of happy about it. But we, it was one of those feelings. Like, we, we kept going back to, I know it's a shallow thing, but it was just one of those things that just, it makes you smile. And, and there's other times, right? Kids being born, getting married, celebrating things, all that stuff. There's just certain days where it's like, you know, nothing is going to knock me off of this. There's just something I can hold on to that's not going to change, and it's going to continue to make me happy and give me joy. On the other side of things, weariness can mean searching for something that you actually can't find. 
that we continue to chase after something and try and get something or try and establish something or maybe you tried to get the house or the, the, uh, you try and get the raise or you try and get the job or you try and get something and you just can't find it. And all of that searching and the opposite would be, right, you have this joy that's not going to change but you have this weariness where you just can't find the thing that you need to find. And I think much of the Christmas season actually is spent searching for happiness. Maybe you did this um, over like the last couple of days, right? We all know Black Friday comes along and sales happen. I used to really like going out on Black Friday. I actually worked at Best Buy during Black Friday. That was crazy. I have stories about that to tell you. But we, I liked going out. I'm one of the crazy people that actually I like being in a crowd of people sometimes. And so years ago when I was younger and the deals weren't as much online, I would actually go and I would look for presents for Becca or for other people and just try and find deals. And it was, it was fun for me. And maybe it's been fun for you or maybe you had some fun shopping. But here's what I know. Like Christmas and coming is supposed to be happiness. There's supposed to be things that happen that, that make you happy. And we all have an idea of what might make us happy this year. And, and people do prey on, like companies prey on, okay, well, this thing or this idea or this experience is going to give you happiness. And we spend time kind of chasing what will make us happy. But what we truly know and what we've experienced, at least I've experienced, is that even when you get that thing or you get to that place or you have that experience, it's going to not make you happy after a while. Like you might get the thing that you thought you wanted and then like two years later there's a new version and so you need that one. Or you get to this idea of an experience and you want everybody to be there and you want it to go perfectly and something goes wrong and then it falls apart and we're not happy anymore. And we can get roped into this idea of chasing what will make us happy. And guess what? Like we've already said, all that searching for happiness can make us weary. And the danger of the Christmas season is that we continue to chase something to try and find happiness that is not actually going to make us happy. And it's going to make us more weary than we were at the beginning. And maybe you've gotten that experience before where you get to the end of the holiday season, you're like, I need a vacation from the holiday season. Just too much going on. I found a quote from C.S. Lewis as I was reading this week, and, and this is what he says. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's giving us the example of, of two different children, or the same child, but two different opportunities. He says you've got a child that is simply making mud pies in a slum. And you offer that kid, he said holiday, that means vacation, right? And so he says you offer him a vacation where you can go like make sandcastles at the beach. And the, person, the kid in the slum just decides, well, this is what I believe is going to make me happy. And so I'm going to stay here and do this. And we don't truly understand what's going to make us happy. And too often at times, I and maybe you choose the things that are, we think are going to make us happy, but at the same time, we know that they're going to let us down eventually. And we trade something that could be okay now for something that would be really good later. I was reading this week, and I, I found an article of a man named John Sylvan. Does anyone know that name? Okay, that's important that we don't. So John Sylvan was, was the guy, one of the guys who had the idea to have a single-serve coffee maker, which we now know as what? A Keurig or K-Cups. Same idea. 
he had this idea. He and some college friends, they had this idea. They started to run with it. It started to get somewhere. And we know this now, right? Their Keurigs are just everywhere. Like we have one in the office. Maybe you have one at home or you've had one or something like that. And now there's other knockoff brands. And the statistic that I read in the article that I was checking out was that in 2014, there were over 9 billion K-Cups sold and they made 4 billion in revenue. So 2014 was a big year for them. And I don't know what the statistics are now, but that's where they were in 2014. Do you know how much John Sylvan saw of that? Nothing. Because he sold his share in 1997 for $50,000. Now, we can all sit around and say, John Sylvan's so dumb. Like, why would he ever do that? Think about it, though. In 1997, did any of us know what Keurig was? I don't think so. I definitely didn't. I remember... I think the first time I remember us ever getting one was for our wedding and our shower. So that was 10 years ago. So at that point, we knew what they were. That was 2011. Even go to like 20, 2004, I don't even know if we really, they were that popular. And so for a few years there, John Sylvan's idea, he made $50,000 on an idea. I mean, that's pretty good. If you make $50,000 on an idea, you might start to think, I got a few more of those ideas up there somewhere, right? I can make a little bit more money. But if he held on to it, he would have made much more money years later. Listen, th- this, is, this is the trade-off that we can make. We can take what's going to make us happy now or make us happy soon, and it looks really good, and it might be the $50,000 idea. Or what Scripture is teaching us and what I believe we can learn today is that if we hold on and we have joy instead of happiness, that's the... $4 billion idea. And we need to aim for something different than just being happy because too often we pursue happiness and not joy. And here's what I think is the truth about the idea of happiness is that if we seek happiness, joy will always elude us. If we continue to seek things that are just going to bring us happiness, the idea of joy or the reality of joy is simply going to be something that we continue to chase and we never actually find. Jesus actually talks about this. So we're not going to, when he was born, we're going to fast forward a little bit further in his life. And in John 15, starting in verse 9, Jesus says this, I have loved you even as the Father loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Verse 11 says this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So Jesus says, do you, do you want to know how to have joy? And we talked about this last week as we recognize the way that our relationship with Jesus develops, that we have to do the things and live the kind of life that Jesus has called us to and showed us how to live. And Jesus says, when you do those things, you will have joy. But it's important that he makes this distinction. He actually says in verse 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. It's not based on what we think we want or we plan to have. It's actually based on what he has for us. And then he says, your joy will overflow. So when we're filled with Jesus's joy, then our joy will overflow. See the difference there? It's not something that we can actually define for ourselves. And and if we go back to the conversation about 
Zechariah and Elizabeth for a minute. Here's what I want us to get. A child would have made Zechariah and Elizabeth happy. I think at any point along the way, if God had given them a child, it would have made them very happy. And they would have had joy in that too. It would have been amazing and great and they would have gotten what they wanted and maybe it would have worked out exactly how they thought. But I think God knew, and this is what he eventually did in their lives, that John would actually bring them joy. They thought what would make them happy was having a child. But what would bring them even more joy, and not just them, but people around the world and even people today, would be the joy of having John as their son. If we go back, right? If you've read this story, you know how this went. But I told you the way that Zechariah responded when that angel showed up on his big day was that he didn't respond the way that you might think. And in fact, the way that he responds is to look at the angel and say, how do I know that you're telling me the truth? Like, that's pretty brave to say to an angel, right? How, how do I know that you're going to say, like, he, and he says, we are already old. We are beyond having children. And in the back of his mind, I think he was also thinking, we've tried for so long. This, this has never happened for our whole lives. How do I know that you're telling me the truth? How do I know that this is really going to happen. And why does Zechariah say this? I think he says this because he's so weary, he's actually become cynical. Like, I don't believe that this is actually going to happen. What the angel says at that point, he doesn't uh, say that it's not going to come true. He says it's still going to come true, but he actually makes Zechariah mute for nine months. Do you imagine not talking for nine months? It'd be a long time. And so he goes the whole pregnancy until eight days after the baby was born, when they actually name the baby, and they bring John, and they're going to name him, and they decide, they say they're going to name him Zechariah, and they say, time out, his name's not Zechariah, and they say, wait a minute, you, you've waited all this time for a son, always what happens is, you have a son, you name him the father's name, like, that's just how it played out in these times, and he says, no, he gets a tablet, and he writes, his name is John, and then he gets his voice back. And so John has, or sorry, Zechariah has to realize and think about exactly what God was doing for all this time where he's not able to talk. And then he gets to realize exactly what God was doing. And if we fast forward a little bit, we get this song from Zechariah, so full of emotion. I want to pick that up in Luke chapter one. We'll go back there. We're going to go to verse 76. He says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. Verse 77, you will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. See, now Zechariah gets it. And now Zechariah realizes that God didn't fulfill his prayers previously. Remember, the angel said, God heard your prayer. He just waited for what was best. He says, I I didn't fulfill your prayer at that time, but I was waiting until now. And now Zechariah gets to be filled with an unbelievable amount of joy, understanding that his son was not just going to be somebody's son, but that his son would be someone that would tell people about joy they could have. And what we realize about this is that John was the announcement of joy, but Jesus was the embodiment of joy. 
John got to announce that Jesus was coming. John got to announce who Jesus was. And then Jesus got to come and be the person who could provide that perfect joy for us. And here's a phrase we're going to come back to a few times over the course of this Christmas season. But Christmas means God making his way to us when we could never make our way to him. That's the point of why Jesus came. Because we couldn't do anything to get to Jesus on our own. Our sin was in the way. And so because of that, Jesus had to come to us. That's why he came, was so that we could have joy and he could reestablish that relationship with us, even though we had ruined it. And the great thing that we can learn from Zechariah is that Zechariah's joy was complete not because of himself, but because of who Jesus would be. In fact, we see this, right? So Zechariah goes from being this person who is frustrated, cynical, weary, doesn't believe the angel when he comes and tells him something. Again, after 400 years of silence, he still doesn't believe him. And then he switches gears and goes, this is the most incredible thing that I could ever know. And he hadn't even met Jesus yet. He trusted so deeply in who God was and what he was doing that his joy was complete in Jesus having not even known Jesus yet. Remember, he doesn't know, he hasn't seen Jesus, he hasn't met Jesus, he hasn't seen him live, he hasn't seen him do miracles, he hasn't seen him die on the cross, he didn't see him rise again. He just knew, God said it, I trust it, my joy is complete. It wasn't based on him or what he was able to do, but it was what God said he was going to do, and he trusted him to fulfill that. Listen, what we know to be true is that happiness can change in an instant, but joy can last a lifetime. Happiness can change in a moment, right? You can get a phone call. You can uh, screw up at work. You can do something that you, something automatically, like things fall apart. And, and what you thought was a good day, it can change in a minute. But what will not change is if we follow what Jesus says and we actually have true joy. So here's the, here's the question I want to start off with today as we walk into Christmas, right? We've got about a month to kind of process this. And, and I think Christmas is important because I think Christmas is a time where, where we get to process what God is teaching us to. Like there's a lot to learn in the Christmas season. It's one of those times of years where there's a lot of time spent focusing on God and Jesus and miraculous things and all of that stuff. And we can go through that and just be like, oh, this is great. It's so happy and and fun. And that's great. But there's a lot that we can process and learn as well. And so the question I want to start off with today is, is what are you searching for that's making you weary? Is there something that you're chasing or I'm chasing that is causing us to become weary? Maybe it started with shopping this week and you didn't get the thing that you wanted. Or maybe it's the job you keep working towards or it's the, I don't know, the grade that you want to get. And all of those things, we, we continue to chase. What, what is making you weary? And we have to realign how we think about this and realign our hearts. I found another quote I just want to share. It's really short from David Jeremiah. He just says this, true joy is a byproduct and not a goal. Happiness is a goal. Happiness is something we're going to achieve, we're going to buy, we're going to get, we're going to establish, all of those things. Joy is not. Joy is a byproduct of what? Of living the life that Jesus has called us to live and reflecting on who he is and not who we are. And understanding that he is in control even 
when we don't see it. So the next question is this, and I'll answer it in two ways in just a minute. The second question is, how will you find true joy this Christmas? Listen, you can go through this whole Christmas season and not find joy. You can chase happiness and not have it get to you. Or we can align our hearts and minds and figure out how to have true joy. So there's two ways I think that we can do this. First of all, I think we can put the right things on our Christmas list. We all have a Christmas list. Okay, let's just be honest. When I handed my son the book with the toys, his Christmas list was everything in the book. Okay, he just went through and like circled it all. Okay. We all have them, whether, whether it was somebody that said to you, uh, I, need a, I need a list for you, from you so that I know what to get you for Christmas, or you, you probably have an idea of what you want Christmas to be, and that's your Christmas list. So for some of us, maybe it's time off from work, like you're just ready to be off for a while, take a break, take a vacation, whatever that's going to be, that's, that's on your list. Uh, maybe it's having everybody home. You love having everybody at home for a meal and celebrating the holidays, and maybe that's on your list, right? Maybe it's just getting to a new year. Like maybe you've got plans or or getting to the end of the semester or whatever it is. There is a list that you have of things that you are excited about and you want to happen this Christmas season. So what's on your list? And in order to make sure that we're not just chasing happiness, that we can establish really having joy, we have to put the right things on. And to me, the right things, and this is where the second thing comes in, the the right things fall into this category, that we would allow eternal circumstances to outweigh physical circumstances. This is a big idea. Let me flesh it out for a minute. We have to be more concerned with where our soul sits and where where we find ourselves eternally and with God than we are the physical surroundings that we're going to see. That's the way we have true joy. That's why Jesus came in the first place. So when we get to the moment where we think we're going to open the thing that we wanted and we think it's great and we're super excited about it and we open it and it's a Harry Potter book. If you were here last week, you get that joke, but if you weren't, you forget. And we get upset because it's not what we wanted. We're focused on the physical things instead of the eternal things. When we get to family dinner and everyone's there, but somebody says something about, I don't know, something that we don't agree with, and all of a sudden there's an argument. We get upset. It's a physical thing. How do we bring that back and focus on what's eternally important? What Zechariah and Elizabeth learned was that God's plan for them was much better than what their plan was. And when his plan took over and when his ideas took over and when he got what he wanted, they got to have so much more joy than happiness. And where I'm challenging us to be as we enter this holiday season is that we would be more concerned with who we are in relationship to Jesus and how we know God and what he has done for us and the way that he came in order that we might have life. That the other physical things and the circumstances and all of that stuff that we would chase that we think will bring us happiness kind of shift away. And all of those things can be add-ons. They can be great. They can be a lot of fun. They can be things that we do take joy in and are happy with. But we know that they're not the end-all, be-all. Don't get stuck in a cycle this Christmas of 
chasing things that are going to maybe make us happy, but just continue us in this weariness cycle where we're going to be frustrated and upset if we don't get it. Stay out of that cycle and stay focused on the fact that Jesus came to us when we couldn't get to him. Let's pray today. Lord, we are so thankful that we get to celebrate Christmas together. We're thankful that we've entered into this time that is so full of songs and parties and candy and trees and lights and all of that fun stuff. And we are thankful for all the joy and happiness that that brings. But we also recognize that we can get stuck in that cycle of just chasing what will buy us happiness or or give us happiness, and that can cause us to be weary even more. And we ask that we wouldn't get stuck in that cycle, that we would instead focus on the true joy that you have provided to us, and that all the other things that we get to celebrate would simply be extra that we can be happy in. We pray for our relationships this Christmas. We pray for our families and the time that we get to spend together. We thank you for the ways that you have blessed us. And we, we ask that we would even be people who tell others about you this season, just like John did. That we would fill that role in someone's life and tell them about the joy that you offer them by, you offered to them by coming down to earth 2,000 years ago. We're grateful we can learn from people like Zechariah that we're weary. And yet at the end, he found true joy because he trusted what your plan was. In Jesus' name, amen.